Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. This episode of Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hello, Greg. Pleasure to be talking to you post-hymns. Oh, yes. I, I I know some of us have had the hymns hangover, and it's about the half-life is about halfway over. So back in the seat, looking forward to today's interview. For those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm, and the father of the annual wellness visit. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population, Population Health Management and is known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy guidance for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, HealthInnovationMedia.com, and PrecisionMedicine.Center. Follow me on Twitter via at the number two health guru. And now for today's special guest, a passion-driven entrepreneur and digital health innovator, Sean Duffy. Sean is the co-founder and CEO of Amada Health, a digital behavioral medicine company ded- dedicated to inspiring and empowering people everywhere to live free of chronic conditions like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Amada Health's Twitter bio notes, inspiring and enabling people everywhere to live free of chronic disease, start with science, deepen with design, empower with people, insist on outcomes. I absolutely love that. In 2017, Omada was recognized as one of Fast Company's most innovative companies, and in 2016, the company was named a technology pioneer by the World Economic Forum. An in-demand speaker, and thought leader Sean's accolades include a spot on San Francisco's Business Times 2015 list of 40 under 40, Diabetes Forecast Magazine's list of 2014 Diabetes All-Stars, and J.P. Morgan's list of the 100 most intriguing entrepreneurs of 2014. Sean's past speaking engagements include Clinton Global Initiative Health Matters Summit, South by Southwest Interactive, the Society for Behavioral Medicine, and the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. He has written extensively about digital health and the future of healthcare in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, the New England Journal of Medicine, and TechCrunch, among other publications. Prior to Amada, Sean worked for both Google and IDEO. A former MD, MBA candidate at Harvard, he holds a Bachelor of Science in Neuroscience from Columbia University. And with that introduction, over to you, Fred. Help us get to know Sean Duffy. Thank you so much, Greg. And Sean, welcome to Pop Health Week. Uh, Thank you so much, Fred. Greg, happy to be on. Yeah, it's really a pleasure uh, to have you, Sean. I've been following Omada for a while now. And could you just 
give us, the audience, a little bit of how your background came to form Omada Health? Yeah, no, happy to. Um, so Omada, you know, wildly enough, we're about to turn seven, um, and I started the company World Medical School, of all things. So always been uh, in love with both technology and healthcare, um, uh, you know, growing up with a bit of a computer geek, um, studied neuroscience in undergrad, um, uh, did my uh, pre-med requirements, took the MCAT, um, but ended up wanting to just try out the tech world on the other side of graduating. So I worked at Google for a couple of years, uh, and then back then I actually wanted to do something in the tech needs primary care space. So I went off to med school, I was enrolled in an MD, MBA program at Harvard, and got the idea for Amada along the way, um, really in response to what I felt was a neat opportunity in, 20, in 2011. So that was the early stages of digital health. There were a lot of like neat things happening, but but the gap that I felt and we felt, uh, uh, you know, when thinking about ideas for the company, was that um, not a lot of what we saw forming that had really high quality consumer grade products was evidence based. So, you know, I started digging into the literature and looking at areas where both tech might make a difference and it would be possible to start with science, and there was really a demonstrated approach that you could get an outcome that mattered. And it turns out that there's all this literature in science that shows that you can help people um, with early metabolic disease, you know, diseases like prediabetes, um, early type 2, massively reduce risk of conversion or progression by intervening in a high-touch way up front and helping people lose a modest amount of weight in a very behaviorally forward fashion. Um, so it became our calling at Omada to work to scale uh, that sort of approach um, and not take any shortcuts, uh, publish evidence, and, and, and work to earn acceptance, acceptance and trust uh, with the enterprise medical community. And you know, fast forward seven years, we've become the biggest provider of this uh, sort of uh, uh, you know program in the in the country. We've enrolled over 140,000 participants, um, you know, 28 million weight readings, and still to this day feel like we're at the starting line uh, given the crisis at hand. And so is, is your program really similar to the, the diabetes prevention program, the DPP that's out there now? So, yeah, so that's, um, yes, that the DPP um, was a research study that used an approach of behavioral intervention called intensive behavioral counseling for pre-diabetics. So mm -hmm. uh, the DPP had, they took, you know, 3,000 people with pre-diabetes. They brought them through an intensive behavioral counseling uh, program to see if that reduced diabetes conversion. And lo and behold, you know, three years after the program, there was a massive risk reduction, uh, and it worked exceptionally well. And that helped set the stage um, but for A, actually a lot of translational studies of studies that were done in person to replicate, to tune, to adapt that approach um, and set the stage for us to think, well, now the next era needs scalability and, uh, you know, and actually to bring it to the world through tech so that there's access for everyone who needs it. And that's sort of been the interesting area is, is you know, I've seen a fair amount of tech devices around all sorts of behavior change things, as you know, yep. that are out there. And they tend to have some modest uptake in the beginning, and then they just sort of fade away. But you've actually published some clinical studies and looked at this over time. So what makes yours different? How do you do that? Yeah, you know, the first thing I always start with is that there's really not a silver bullet. And I think it, um, in fact, I think the early, the infancy of digital health was just praying for that one thing that would work. Um, <laughs> And I remember one of our early advisors, she helped run ops for the diabetes prevention program trial. And just I walked through the methods that they used to to help those those patients. 
And I remember thinking, wow, there's not a shortcut here. Like this was a very intensive intervention that involved a lot of different components. Um, and that's been our point of view from day one and continues to be in that um, there are many studies that show that, you know, you can't mail someone a scale and show a chart and hope for a result. Um, you can't just tell someone that they're at risk for diabetes and hope that they take action. You can't just, uh, you know, track their activity. You can't just have them use a calorie counting app. Um, you can't just put them in an online forum or get them a coach. Any one of those things alone is not sufficient. So Amada has taken a full stack approach where we've developed uh, every single thing in-house, all the entire supply chain, from the hardware supply chain that the tools are coaching use, to all the curricular content, to the social dynamics, to the time architecture in the program. And it is quite, though it's simple for a person, all they need to do is take the, that first step of signing up. It is quite orchestrated where you as a user, all of a sudden, you get a welcome kit that has a scale, you step in it, there's a beep, the scale set up, you're paired into a group of other people like you, you're matched with a coach, um, everything starts on a Sunday. We paint a destination postcard of 16 weeks. Um, we gradually unlock lessons and change things along the way. And you know, there's shared goals amongst groups, and all that artfully ties together. And I think if there's anything that makes Omada special, um, it's it's been that approach of of assuming that any one thing isn't going to work alone, um, and investing in the full stack, building them all, and orchestrating them on a timeline. Yeah, and I want to commend you on something you're doing, and uh, also maybe you can dig into it a little bit because I don't see this often. You're integrating real coaches with your program. Can you talk mm -hmm. about that? Yeah, we, we view them as a mission-critical uh, instrument in the symphony. Um, uh, you know, and, and I think the the proxy that you you know get out when you think about a real coach is a personal connection and. Um, any sort of behavior change and lifestyle intervention is really, really hard. Uh, it's you know you have you and you know we as society have so many things going against us um, that you need to feel supported, feel loved, feel accountability, um, and and people are important. Now, um, you can get support in a number of ways. Uh, you know one of the reasons why we have groups is you can find inspiration in other people that are able to achieve success and support each other. Uh, but a coach is an absolute, you know, absolutely instrumental uh, part of that equation too, um, because you know there's a real human that cares about you and can be your number one cheerleader as you go go through the program. So you know, all of our coaches are full-time employees of Omada. Um, uh, we have been and continue to be absolutely dedicated to their value in the program and, and their necessity. And do you use a primary coach or a primary nurse model where there's one person assigned to that individual, or is it just who's available at the time? No, it's one person. So there's there's continuity, which is another mistake uh -huh. that I think people have fallen into in the past. Where yep, yeah, that that person sticks with you the whole the, through the whole journey. And and you know one of the big issues with coaching has sort of been how do you scale that? So are, is it through the technology you're able to make that an efficient process? Yes, uh, and, and you know, and it's not just the technology; it's, it's operational practices too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're we're a venture-backed company. Um, uh, I would say the early investors, the number one question they'd ask is, "Well, you've got this, you know, people-based. How how on earth do you scale it?" So, if if anything, we've over-indexed on um, operational readiness in in those areas, and you know, it's a very modular organizational structure. Um, you know, it's it's designable. And what I always tell people is. When I was at Google, we grew from 6,000 to 12,000 people in a year, um, and 
uh, you know, if you are artful about how you design and build out an organization and you make sure that you've got all the regimen, like hiring processes, training processes, quality assurance, um, uh, you know, auditing to make sure that uh, everybody's delivering it the way they can and, and, and monitoring outcomes and satisfaction, you can really do it. And, and so far it's been, I think because we invested so heavily in making sure that, that it would work, it's been less of a challenge than I anticipated and, and definitely our investors. That's really great, Sean. And and the other area I'd like to just touch on briefly is, um, you know, you, you guys track a lot of stuff, I guess, you know, weight, exercise. Yeah. Um, you also track what the people are eating. And yeah. that's always been something that, you know, I've used a ton of different apps. I like to play with them. And oh, yeah. it's always a pain to log my food. So what have is. you done different there? Well, well, you know, I'll start with the premise. Where sometimes people think, um, uh, well, let's get someone tracking and have them track forever. That's actually what you want is to use it as a tool as needed. I mean, ideally, we end up in a world where people have reformed relationships with food to the point where it's not absolutely necessary to track. And and there's various approaches of tracking um, and ways to do it. Uh, if you think about the, you know, the um, you know, the like the almost quantified self version of it is counting every single calorie that comes into your body, et cetera. Um, that tends to be very, very cumbersome for everybody to, to you know, to do um, and really, really hard. And you, you know, you lose people pretty quickly. Um, what, what seems to work best in the science, and this is the approach we've taken, is more of a reflection where our tracking is deliberately lighter touch where we say like, look, here's what we want you to do. Just monitor your own behaviors especially at first, don't try to change anything. Tracking serves as self-awareness. And 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 you'll enter what you ate. You'll just say what it was or take a picture, and then you reflect on a couple of things. We have you reflect on, based on what you know about nutrition and what you're learning in the program, would you consider this to be not healthy, somewhat healthy, or very healthy? That's kind of vector number one. Vector number two is, do you, th do you feel intuitively that you ate too little, just right, or too much? And... That level of awareness tends to be a a bit easier to maintain, um, and then b more effective for the long haul. So that's that's the approach we've taken, at least as it relates to food. Uh, that yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And as as people are doing this, is is you talked about a sixteen week program. So is it a fixed program, and then there's sort of ongoing monitoring, or how does that work? Yeah, that's right. So it doesn't it doesn't end after the 16 weeks. We just divide it into the found we call it foundations and the focus mm -hmm. is. So think of foundations as really building all the foundations that you need to work through and rethink rethink your lifestyle. So that's you know in that it's a little bit more of an intensive phase. Um, there's uh, you know a little bit more coming at you. Um, and week by week, we're unlocking lessons. The lessons are divided into four key topic areas. Um, you're in a group environment where you get to see everybody's progress. Everybody carries the same percent weight loss goal, and you can see each other's progress toward it. And then at the transition moment of 16 weeks, um, uh, we call that phase the focus phase. And that continues on in perpetuity. The, the only nuance there is at that point, we give you access to a broader community. So in some ways, you can think of it as almost like your alumni organization of people who've gone through foundations. Um, we continue to release content, but we are, you know, it's tuned according to the areas that we feel you need the most support and you self-identify as needing the most support, and you can set your own goals. So if you're in the program and at the end you're like, well, great, I want to actually lose another 5% of my body weight. That's That feels right for me. 
um, we architect that as a possibility. Um, if the goal is I've done, you know, I really feel like I've got to the level I want and my goal is maintenance, it's kind of a different pathway. So it becomes a bit more choose your own adventure. And the number one thing that we always make sure to do is work to make sure people on, uh, you know, at least a, a semi-regular basis are continuing to weigh in. So we can watch, you know, get your, have your back. And if we see any trends in the wrong direction, work to um, help once again. So, Sean, can you talk a little bit about how, um, what sort of results you've seen from the program? How do you measure success? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, on the, the, the clinical side, we've now published nine peer-reviewed uh, publications looking at, uh, you know, longitudinal data out to in many years. We've seen hemoglobin A1C and weight loss reduction, you know, out to three years in the published literature. Um, uh, in some of our studies, we've uh, measured uh, lipid outcomes and seen impacts. We saw a depression, actually a depression outcome in a study that we did in partnership with Humana for Medicare Advantage. Um, uh, you know, we have ongoing right now the largest randomized controlled trial in our space where we're measuring uh, even more outcomes that, you know, we'll hear participants report to us, but we've not tracked uh, live um, and, you know, remain uh, committed to continuing uh, to publish, so that's that's the clinical side, and then on the people side, I mean, it's so cool. Just yesterday, uh, over lunch, we had a participant uh, named Don um, uh, in the office talking about his experience, and you know, he had found out he had diabetes risk from his doctor Kaiser. Uh, Kaiser recommended the program. Um, uh, you know, he had incredible transformation, and, and you know, psychologically, it was neat. He's like, I, I feel like a new human being. Um, so, of course, in addition to the geeky, yeah, we dropped someone's hemoglobin A1C. It's so neat to see all these, you know, personal transformations come out of the program. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, and obviously those personal ones over time add up to a pretty large number, I would assume. Do you have, is there, you know, typically programs do you see a, a, a start and drop-off rate? Are you able to, through your, I noticed you focus on design, you focus on mm -hmm. clinical, evidence-based are you able to see maybe higher retention rates in that or things around that area? We see very, very high engagement in the core program. I, you know, I think our current book of business average is something like 32 points of engagement per week. Um, no, no program in behavioral science could ever be perfect. Right. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, if you look at, there's, there's a kind of a curricular definition put forth by the CDC about, you know, like completing the core content here. And we have our, you know, about 70, 80 or so percent, um, uh, so, you know, of course, not able to, to get everybody through. When you when you compare what you see in, in person and, you know, and the single instrument approaches of giving someone, you know, a scale and showing a chart, it's it's night and day difference. Um, uh, you know, and then also the neat thing about our pricing model is it's pay for results. So, you know, if someone's disengaged from the program, they're not weighing in, we're not billing. Yeah, and first let me say my experience with, programs out there that are some of the others is nowhere close to the percentages you're getting through that first phase. So that's great. And talk a little bit more about your payment methodology. Mm -hmm. you, fe you featured on your website. It's outcomes-based. How does that work? Yeah, so the, weirdly the best way to think of us or a way to think of this is almost like a digital hospital for early you know, metabolic disease. And um, we were able through our studies to last year get the American Medical Association actually for the first time in the you know the history of the AMA to issue a digital specific CPT code for us. Um, so 
you know, it doesn't matter who we're working with. We may, you know, even if we're working with a self-insured employer, we actually work to, in order to make it really easy on them, be an in-network provider on their on with their TPA and their health plan. Um, and then there's no PEPM. I mean, you know, we have no charges at all unless we get someone in. When we get someone in, we get them their hardware, we match them into a group, we pair them with a coach, and then we start them. At that point, we trigger a, 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 an enrollment fee. And then everything else beyond that is based on the weight loss outcomes we're able to progress someone to, uh, which you know our partners and clients have liked, especially in this world of pushing healthcare to more value. Um, but we love it too internally because our product team is constantly thinking about you know, how to make the program better. We're constantly monitoring outcomes. We almost like literally cannot take shortcuts because our financial alignment is so strong in the person's health in our program. Um, and it creates a lot of like neat innovation internally. So it's, you know, it's a model that we've really liked. Right. And, and you mentioned uh, PEPM, which is obviously per employee per month code, uh, per, per month uh, cost uh, or pricing. Can you talk also, you mentioned earlier primary care and mm -hmm. how you're trying, your emphasis on integration. Have you been able to integrate this into practices and things like that? Um, in select in select places, yes. So we work with um, uh, Kaiser in, in, I think it's all regions now. Um, sometimes it's not, you know, it's from a pop health team doing outreach um, or, you know, direct partnership outreach between us and them and their patients. Um, we have some neat work. We, had, we did a really neat uh, body of work that um, is leading to kind of a neat next chapter with Intermountain um, where we were a tool in a PCP's toolkit. Um, we've got some neat work with Providence, uh, who's a customer, uh, you know, but actually an investor too, where they've got a neat EMR layer that allows you to check to see if a certain offering is on someone's benefits design. So we're working to get uh, patients recommended through EMR triggers. Um, and that's the direction that we want to continually take uh, what we do. We, we always know that marketing outreach uh, and engagements with self-insured employers will be a great thing, you know, for awareness, especially given that so many people are at risk for diabetes and don't know it. Um, but what always pains me is this funny reality in that if you look at all the clinical guidelines in this space and, and see what they say you should do for someone with early metabolic disease, ranging from United States Preventive Services Task Force to the American Diabetes Association to the American Heart Association, even abroad to NICE in the UK, there is perfect alignment on what should be done. It's when someone is expressing these early metabolic problems, you should refer into an intensive lifestyle intervention. And yet in practice, what happens across the U.S. is in large part, maybe at best a referral to a nutritionist or, you know, but more likely it's telling the patient to lose weight. Um, you know, we want to work to change that. And as coverage materializes and we gain more and more coverage and reimbursement for Amada, it enables more places where we can work directly with PCPs and, and go in and say like, look, you know, I've, most of your patient panel will actually be reimbursed for this. We are a tool in your toolkit. We can be an adjunct to you when you find patients that are heading the wrong direction. And, and I would assume that it's more and more organizations go to value-based contracting or risk-based contracting. Your approach would be very beneficial to them within their 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 assumption of that risk. Oh, oh, exactly. Because the you know in addition to even even if even if ours you know our program is um, a reimbursable benefit, they may be under some health plan contract where someone's obesity related chronic disease health can influence their value payments um, with whatever contract they have with the plans that they're working with. 
um, and it's you know it's almost kind of an additional additional value case that we can make to that world. So in in, in time, we're going to just continue to keep pushing on that. I mean, you know, health, healthcare is not built overnight, um, uh, but <laughs> understatement of the century. Um, but what I what I really want, a lot of my friends are now practicing docs, and they're like, when can I prescribe a program? And it, what's been fun is in some instances I'm like, well, just give me a sense for your pair blend with your patients. In some instances, I'm starting to be able to say yes, they can. Yeah, that's so. You've you've now got this really nice model program system up and running for um, for prediabetes and, and reducing those risks associated mm-hmm. with that. What other areas might you be looking at? So for the time being, we're going to say stay like dead set on obesity-related chronic disease. So you know what happens is you gain weight and then you see the diabetes axis coming to be right pre and type two. Mm-hmm. You see hypertension, you see high cholesterol. They cluster quite closely together. Um, uh, that early metabolic category is going to remain our sweet spot, uh, you know, at least for the time, for the foreseeable future. I think the um, uh, I've always, and what I always tell the company is that I'm so proud of what we've done. I mean, you know, we've become the biggest provider. We've enrolled 140,000 people. Um, sometimes I joke that the fact that any spotlight at all is being shown on us, and the fact that you know. You, you, Greg and Fred, invited me to speak on the show is almost a statement about how poor as a country we're handling obesity-related chronic disease because there's 78 million people who need an intervention like this. So, yep. Uh, yep. you know, I, I am reticent to do anything to distract the company from that core mission given how profound this need is for not just the country but the globe. I mean, for the first time in global human history, preventable chronic is killing more people than infectious disease. Like this is, you know, this is a, this is a societal challenge of epic proportion. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the numbers are just stunning and and continue to move in the wrong direction. So it's nice to see you focusing in that area and, uh, and putting in something that's actually making a difference. Um, Do you see this moving into, um, you talked a little bit about employers. So are employers an area, self-insured employers, for putting in programs like this? That's, yeah, that's been a great area for us. I mean, the, the, the neat strides that you know we've made even over the last couple of years is, um, you know, I, I've always felt, you know, it's what you need to focus on in addition to an effective program that employees love, that works, that, um, you know, has compelling clinical and economic data behind it, you need to think about, how you can make it the most easy for an employer to deploy. And, you know, for us, that was really figuring out, all right, well, great, how do we, though though Amada is a unique entity, uh, you know, we're kind of in some places a, you know, a, a, a square peg in a round hole, how do we work to fit in their ecosystem? And for us, we've developed dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, ecosystem relationships. So, you know, more often than not, we're going to an employer learning more about their benefits design, and they might say, oh, well, you know, my my TPAs, I've got a little bit of Kaiser, you know, I've got a little bit um, of Blue, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota, and the rest is Cigna. And we can say, fabulous, we have relationships with all three of those entities. Um, you know, let's not worry about bringing us to procurement, you know, not worry about uh, difficult implementations, like we can get started. And and that I think is a is a is a really refreshing approach. It's um, you know, this is a space you 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 both have lived and and you live and breathe. Try to find me a benefits leader who feels like they have too many headcount to implement programs, 
Um, it's, it doesn't <laughs> exist. You, you know, you really need to work to make this a simple thing to deploy. And and uh, we're coming up on the end, but kind of final question in that area. Have you been able to get employers to consider adjusting their benefits packages um, in terms of bringing in a program like this and maybe focusing on diabetes around no deductibles and things like that? Um, you know, the usually we fit in as a preventive, you know, benefit. There's there's um, a USPSTF recommendation, so there's no deductible or copay for Amada's program. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when we get asked, you know, and other kind of either benefit designs or like incentives levers for modest program. We say like, look, if you want to incentivize people to find out that they're at risk, we're you know that, that's great. That's we're comfortable with. We tend to advise to not incentivize outcomes in the program, um, so that we make the program speak for itself. Right. Well, it's just been fantastic to have you on, Sean. Thanks for all your insights into this and the work you're doing in this area. It's as we've said, it's a major problem. It's, in the country's facing now, and it's nice to see there's some innovative digital solutions out there. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, honored honor to be on. Wow, time does fly. That'll have to be the last word for today's broadcast. I want to thank our guest, Sean Duffy, co-founder and CEO of Amada Health, for his time and generous insights today. Do follow Sean and Amada Health's work on the web via www.amadahealth, and that's O-M-A-D-A, health.com, and on Twitter via at Sean Duffy and at Omada Health, respectively. And finally, if you are tasked with population health at your health plan, health system, physician enterprise, or venture, state or federal agency, or feel drawn to the emerging world of population health management, the 18th Population Health Colloquium convenes in Philadelphia from March 19th through the 21st. Consider joining your peers in the city of brotherly love and the current home of the Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. For more information, go to www.populationhealthcolloquium.com, all one string. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masterson. Bye now. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.